Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bricks and Clicks. I'm Colin. And I'm Johnny. And I'm Lucas, just hanging out today. Yeah, and thanks Lucas for joining us. Lucas hosts multiple podcasts, including Rolled Up and Pit Stop. And we're all gathering here today to chat about the CPG space and specifically account planning. Which you are an expert in right now, Colin. That is my life now. That's my life. Thought you were getting a break from account planning to record some fun podcasts. So why don't you explain to the listeners what account planning is? And if you go back to the first few episodes we recorded, we talked about how CPG typically looks at weeks and weeks, over 100 weeks of data at a time to help make decisions using math. Because I think on your entire team, you have about a gazillion years of mathematician experience. You nailed it. It's so account planning, this is the time where we take those strategies that have been developed from looking at all the data, getting all the insights, and really execute those strategies at an account level. So I was just on a session this morning, and I'll be on some sessions for many more mornings. And it's, it's really a team effort where the account manager, the heads of sales, a few people from Omnium, other people from customer marketing, maybe marketing, maybe even finance comes and sits in on some. And so it's a, a collaborative process where all the decisions about what we're going to go after for the next year are made. And so, for example, just today when we were planning Kroger with one of our clients, Kroger's got about 2,500 doors. So getting one item in all those stores is a pretty huge volume upside. And if we were to think about that, just taking a step back, so 2,500 doors, let's say just one skew with a case of 12, we're looking at 25,000 units minimum just for to ship one case to each store. Yeah, exactly. And so if we use a benchmark, like something like $10 per store per week, which I'd hope we can attain, doing that over all stores for a year is about a $1.3 million sales opportunity. For one store, one account, and one, one SKU. Yeah. Which shows the power of distribution. It's something we are always talking about and we spoke about in the last podcast, how quickly, how those numbers quickly add up and become very large as you continue to expand your distribution across your portfolio and across your customers. And so we talk about all, I mean, we've got the whole team together, right? To be able to make the decision. So talk about things like what's the promo plan that needs to be in place to make sure that we can entice the buyer to accept this item. And uh, what pricing needs to be in place to make that item uh, make sense within Kroger's category. So it's really the time of the year where all, all the decisions get made and the, the sales managers get to ask for funding and ask for those tools for their toolbox to be able to execute their plan for the next year. I think it's also important too, what I always find fascinating in these sessions is prior to account planning, the team, the headquarter team, which we're typically involved with, we're making decisions or we think we're making decisions about what price points are going to run in market next year or what price are we going to go at or how many weeks of promotion are we going to run. We believe we're making all these decisions when really we're just talking in a room amongst each other. Nothing's really going to happen. It's not until we get into these account planning sessions where we can get the feedback from the sales team and they can say, you know what, while you think we can run 16 weeks of promotions at all accounts, no way you're going to be able to do that. My account because the promotions are so expensive. And you have to pay a $25,000 ad fee. So you're not going to be able to afford 16 weeks. You're only going to be able to afford eight weeks. It's that type of detail that's unique or I guess tied to each customer, each retailer that you really learn in these sessions. And so it allows you to really hone in on what's feasible 
at each account and when you try and implement your national go-to-market. Hey, here's a question to just dig a little bit deeper. What does a promotional plan look like? And what is the time frame? Is it annual? Is it quarterly? Is it monthly? And does that encompass all stores or regions? That What would that look like? Well, usually the way we do it, this might be different depending on um, who's doing it, but typically we'd look at a one year window of promotions. So either our fiscal or even a customer's fiscal sometimes. And so we're saying, hey, for this one year period, how many weeks are we going to run of each event type? So let's say we have 10 for 10 and a four for five. I think these were some examples we used earlier. And we might say we're, we have enough budget to run four 10 for 10s or four weeks of 10 for 10 and uh, 12 weeks of four for five. And then the plan itself would look like where, say by month, how many weeks am I running in each month? Or even sometimes it's planned by week so that we know on the week ending March 28th, we're going to run a 10 for 10. And then you have your whole year laid out like that. Which is critical, especially if your product is very seasonal in terms of lining up your promotions to the high season point. So a lot of products that Colin and I work with uh, sell a lot over Christmas or over Thanksgiving. And so making sure that during these planning sessions, you include that in the promotional plan is having, hey, I'm going to run my big 10 for 10 event during the week of Thanksgiving, because that's when the most amount of consumers are shopping the category. And so I want to have my best promotion running during that time period so I can draw in consumers to buy my product and also ensure, and most importantly, that there's a lot of product on the floor to keep the inventories in place as the, as the demand continues to increase during that week. Quick follow-up question on that, Johnny, for the seasonal, and Colin, this could be for you, for seasonal products, because I know you do so much grocery and food, what are some examples of seasonal foods that we might not think of? Obviously, turkey around the holidays is the one that comes to mind, or maybe corn on the cob in the summer. What are maybe more the packaged goods that, that sell through through the holidays? Well, there's actually a lot that have an interesting seasonality, which is opposite from what we just talked about. So a lot of products come in the year hot. They have a great January. They kind of settle down in February. And then the rest of the year, you're pretty much stable until Q4 hits. And then October, November, December, you just sell less and less and less each month. And this is actually pretty typical to see because if you think about it, when are the times of years that people's buying behaviors are a little different? Well, beginning of the year, everyone wants to get in shape, right? So you're probably buying some different foods. And the reason you want to get in shape at the beginning of the year is because at the end of the year, things went a little awry. So that October, November, December is when you're maybe not buying your normal food and you're buying junk food or you're eating at your friend's house and having those big meals. So a lot of that seasonality is really driven by the difference in behavior around that holiday period. To list some examples where we do see that seasonality would be canned green beans, for instance. So they had a big seasonal around Thanksgiving for green bean casserole, also a little bit in the holidays. We're having those type of gatherings. Um, so a lot of canned fruit and vegetables spike during that. In terms of nutrition bars, they kind of see what Colin's alluding to this opposite, where there are low season periods of the week of Thanksgiving and the week of December. And so that's kind of where we need to be aware of that. So when we're doing promo planning, we say don't run your big promotional events during those weeks because no one's shopping or hardly anyone's shopping that category. And so you're going to spend a lot of money buying that event and not getting the, the sales and the pull through. 
So let's say you do run a bunch of flyers. You you figure, you know what? Everyone eats more around the holidays. We want to be in there. But if it's if it's a nutrition bar and it just no matter what you do, it's not going to be a strong use of your resources. What can a poor decision in terms of timing look like? You could very easily have half of your dollars spent do almost nothing. Up to a hundred percent of it. Like, I mean, it's possible that you run the promotion and just literally no one buys it because no one cares that time of year. It's not unreasonable to see half of the lift. When it goes poorly, you get about half of the lift that you would have if it went well. It's also, but it brings up a really good point, Lucas, in terms of how you structure the deal with the retailers and how you structure that promotional event can help you mitigate some of that risk. So for instance, let's say you were paying some big fixed fees to, to buy a feature ad. And so that was going to be $100,000 in fixed fees you're going to run during the week of Thanksgiving. Well, you're spending that $100,000 no matter how much volume you sell. So if you sell 50% less than you would typically sell if you ran an event, say, during July, well, that's going to be a very expensive proposition that you're, you're spending on that event. You're probably going to lose money. And so there are different ways to get around that where you can say, hey, I'm only going to spend on units that are sold, so on a variable rate. And so that way you can help mitigate it. So you're only spending 20 cents per unit that's actually sold. So I sold half the amount means I'm going to pay half the amount because I'm always spending that 20 cents on half the volume versus a July event. So you're not getting the overall absolute dollars up high or, or low, but you can at least mitigate something there. There's all those fine details about how you do it. If you do it off invoice, off of a scan with fixed fees that comes up during account planning. And that's where you really need to work on those details. So I can see why account planning is such a massive undertaking because a huge budgets involved and b you're looking so far in advance almost week by week it with so many nuances you had mentioned some of the tools earlier just as we wrap up this episode on account planning colin what are some of those tools that retailers can can use the key tool in account planning is that look backwards at how have events done historically the only thing we really have to predict future performance is how they did in the past. So having a really good understanding of, hey, what were the strong events and what were the not so strong events in the past? And then comparing and contrasting them so that when I plan next year, I can turn the events that didn't go so well into powerhouse events. Tied to that is also, it's important to have direction from headquarters. So all the plans are kind of working together. So you're knowing, you use the modeling that we do in those key learning phases to say, hey, we're going to go after 10 for 10 promotions. That's kind of, that's the key price point that we've seen in all our modeling. And so that way, when it's clear, you go into account planning and that's kind of been published as, hey, everyone, 10 for 10, the key price point we want to run our promotions on. That way, everyone goes and tries to do that. And so you don't have things all over the place where you have some people doing BOGOs and some people doing four for fives and two for threes. And there's just gaps, right? And so you need to have those clear direction about what we're trying to accomplish with our trade dollars. That's to me the most important piece. It's not really a tool, but it's kind of the, the key piece that's needed to have a successful account planning session across all your customers. Awesome. That sound is the outro music. Big thank you to our sponsors. You'll hear a little ad for them at the end of the show. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple. And if you are interested in having Omnium CPG take a look at your accounts. Johnny Colin, where can people find you? Omnium CPG, do you have a, a retail location they can uh, swing by? A little storefront? 
I wish. We're work it's something we've always talked about, so maybe someday. Let's wrap it up. This has been Bricks and Clicks. Make sure you're subscribed. We will see you back here for the next episode.